Well, we're back to playing baseball on the field this weekend, but unfortunately, as Monday has hit us, there have been a couple of games around Major League Baseball that have been postponed. Good evening, everyone. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along on tonight's edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. And to talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds, let's bring on our resident Reds expert, Blake Watson. Blake, i got to tell you, sitting back this weekend and watching on the split screen the Reds and the Indians and texting with you back and forth, it was a lot of fun to have baseball back in the living room. Without a doubt, it was really fun. I watched every inning of the Reds this weekend, um, watched some other games too, but, you know, glued to the TV, man. It was good to have live sports back. Well, I know you were saying, and, you know, Facebook can either be fun or it can be a pain in the butt, and I know you were very, very happy with the way that David Bell managed the game one win over the Detroit Tigers on Friday night. How did you feel he managed the other two games? Uh, I think they were fine. Um, there, you can, you know, anybody can complain about anything. I thought he went a little too early to the right-handed hitters um, in Saturday's game when they went to the left-handed, when Detroit went to the left-handed uh, reliever, getting Winker out early, getting Akiyama out early. I thought you could have those guys in the game late because there's just not nearly as many left-handed arms in any bullpen as there are right-handed arms. Um you know, and, and everybody will want to point to the bullpen, but, you know, outside of going to Robert Stevenson, he went to his, who are supposed to be his studs, and they let him down. Um, nobody expected Michael Lorenzen to give up two home runs in his first two outings. Um, Bryce Iglesias kept doing what Bryce Iglesias did last year, too. Um, if it's a non-safe situation, the guy just doesn't seem to pitch well. Um, I don't know if it's a mental block or what, but that guy can't be your last guy if he's going to give up home runs at the rate he's given them up. So um, the bullpen, obviously, for the Reds has to be better, but that's not necessarily on the manager. All he can do is call on the arms. The arms got to get guys out. Well, you know, Iglesias, there's, there's been a lot of managers throughout baseball history that have hated to bring in their closers in non-safe situations because of what you just said, Blake. They, they have a mental block about not being able to pitch in a non-safe situation. Yeah, I, I mean, I can say that that's ha I can see where that's happened a lot throughout the, the history of the game, but it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, you got guys in front of you, get them out. Um, it, the stuff doesn't change. Rachel Iglesias has some of the best stuff in all of baseball. His, he's, I mean, 96, 97 on our fastball. He's got throws four pitches. They all move. Um, he's got good breaking balls. I don't know if it's a concentration thing at that point. I don't know what it is, but man, He's got to get it figured out. Lorenzen's got to get it figured out. He's like the only guy right now in that bullpen he can trust is Amir Garrett. I think it was a very interesting move that David Bell made in yesterday's ball game in the ninth inning when he he put Michael Lorenzen, who was pitching at the time, in to pinch run for the designated hitter. And it was kind of a slick move, one that has not been made a lot in the American League, just simply because they've got DHs all the time. But Lorenzen could have stayed in the ball game at the DH, and you're not losing anything with him batting. Absolutely, I think that's just an, an added bonus to having Michael Lorenzen. Um, he's probably the second or third fastest guy on the team. Um, if it was a foot race, it would be him, Travis Jankowski, and Nick Senzel, and then everybody else. Um, and he can really hit. I mean, the guy is a legitimate big league hitter. He could 
play outfield for a lot of really bad teams in, in baseball right now. I guarantee what the Florida Marlins called the Reds for him to play center field, he can do it. Because um, they need some help right now with 14 guys. That's positive, but, uh, but yeah, the problem though is, I, I, it's great to have that weapon, but if you can't get guys out, I don't care. Um, he's gotta get dudes out. He's gotta stop giving up friggin' home runs. We're gonna get into that, the, the Marlins situation here in just a little bit. Boy, I'll tell you what, the Indians, and, and, and I'm gonna go on my, my war path right away, Blake. I hate this extra inning deal. Hate it with a passion, and I agree with Mike Clevenger. It, it's BS. Uh, like I said, I, I you know I can see where that would happen if they you know if you win the game when it goes into extra innings, you probably don't think it's as much about much BS. Um, I don't love it. It's not a great move, but I mean, it, the rules are the rules. They voted on them. They approved them. It is what it is at this point. We're going to be playing by it. For the next 60 games, should we get the next 57 games in? Who knows? Um, so yeah, I, I just you gotta suck it up and deal with it. Really, uh, I'll tell you one thing: you are not gonna find two better first three game starters than the Reds and the Indians have. I mean, with the the Reds uh, starting out with Sonny Gray, then going to Castillo, and then Trevor Bauer yesterday. And then the Indians going with Shane Bieber, who struck out 14 in six innings that almost set a Major League Baseball record for an opening day start. Then they went with Clevenger, who struck out 13. And then they came back yesterday with Carlos Carrasco, who's coming back from the cancer, of course. And he was outstanding. He struck out 10. Tell you what, these two teams may have the best top three in their rotation in baseball, bar none. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, the argument can be made Fever and Clevenger are as good as what the Reds have. I, I don't think, I think Carrasco's a good pitcher. I don't think he belongs in, in the conversation with, uh, Gray, Castillo, Bauer, Clevenger, and Bieber. Um, not to say he's not good, but I think those five guys are legitimate Cy Young caliber arms. And Carrasco is a very good starting pitcher in the major leagues, but I don't think he's as good as those guys. Um, those guys are all 95-plus mile-an-hour fastballs. They're all lethal breaking stuff. Luis Castillo has the best pitch in baseball. His changeup is the best pitch in baseball right now. Um, when he throws it for strikes, uh, it's, it's amazing to watch those those uh, those guys work. I mean, the Reds combined starting pitchers, you know, they allowed three earned runs in 20 innings or so. I mean, that is unbelievable. I don't know what the Indians did. I didn't pay that much attention as far as giving up runs. but um, And I think they two of the three were solo home runs. Um, Bauer was lethal yesterday. If the Reds get that version of Bauer, they're going to be really tough to beat should they get in the playoffs for a short series. Well, I told you Bauer was a – he's an innings eater. He's can throw a lot of pitches. I was surprised that David Bell took him out yesterday in that position. But nonetheless, I also loved Bauer's little – comical, uh, I'm going to throw the ball over the center field wall when Bell came out to take him out. I thought that was hilarious. He did in the offseason. I was to the point where I wanted him to kind of shut his mouth. Um, but that's who he is, and he, he is who he is on the field. He is who he is off the field. Um, he, he's a different cat, and that's part of why he's so good on the mound is because I, you know, 
happens to throw 96. I saw a couple times yesterday he pumped it up to 99, and that yep. doesn't typically happen for him. I know he has that ability, but that's that's the thing I heard Chris Welsh during the, both Castillo and Bowers starts where, you know, they both in really big spots reach back for that little extra and touch 99. And, man, with their, with their secondary stuff, if those dudes are throwing that hard, put the bat down and just go sit back down because they're almost unhittable. Blake, let's talk about some individual players. First of all, for the Indians that have come through, Jose Ramirez, oh, he was the DH yesterday, played the first two games at third base. He DH'd yesterday so they could get Yu Chang into the lineup and see how he's going to do, and he did pretty well yesterday. But Ramirez hit two home runs, one from each side of the plate yesterday. He's done that three times in his career now. Domingo Santiago, uh, Santana, I should say, is out in right field, and boy, he's been playing well. He went four for five yesterday in the win over Kansas City. Uh, the Indians really piled up the runs in their nine to two win yesterday. Of course, they lost on Saturday, but, but won on Friday. When you look at this team, they're winning without the benefit of their three and four hitters getting a hit yet, Blake. Francisco Lindor has got one hit. That was a double basically in a meaningless at-bat on Saturday. And Carlos Santana has not gotten a hit so far this year. So the Indians are winning without what they need to do. Now the Reds have got some problems with Mike Moustakas, who's out with the COVID. And who else for the Reds is out right now? Uh, so the first one to drop was Matt Davidson, who probably, if it wasn't a 30-man roster, doesn't make the team anyway. Um, he did DH on opening day. Didn't do anything. Um, and then, so Moustakis, we think he has COVID. They haven't confirmed that. They don't have to say whether or not it's COVID. Um, right. I know he wasn't feeling well, um, which makes you think it's COVID. And then also Nick Senzel is missing as well. Um, the other person that's missing but has played every game is Eugenio Suarez. He is nowhere to be found. He's reached base once in 12 plate appearances. Via the walk has no hits, four strikeouts and twelve at bats. Um, that guy's got to figure it out and start hitting for the Reds. And so does Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker is zero for eight at bats. Um, like he has, he found one hit, but he struck out four times, three times yesterday. Um, now Derek Turnbull pitched really well for the, the Tigers yesterday. He is better than I think we expected. I don't know. They showed his splits early in the year last year. He was really good. And like a 1-5 ERA through his first seven or eight starts. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe that's him just starting off good. Uh, and then also Tucker Barnhart's missing right now because he just had a baby, so that hurts not having a left-handed catcher. Um, it doesn't hurt him as much tonight because Lester's pitching for the Cubs. Uh, so they wouldn't, he wouldn't have played anyway. Um, Moustakis probably would have been in the lineup. Um, so they really need to get Moustakis and Senzel back, um, and Suarez has got to start hitting. Yeah, meanwhile, the Indians, boy, they, they've really jumbled things up as far as their outfield is concerned. On opening night, they went with Zimmer, Oscar Mercado in center field, and Santana in right. That's Domingo Santana. Then on Saturday afternoon, it was interesting because they put Jared Leplow in left field. They had Mercado in center. Santana was in right, but they had Zimmer on the bench. And then Sunday, Zimmer played center. Mercado sat down. 
Reyes was in left field, and Santana stayed in right. They're not going to be able to pull Santana out. He's been hitting well. But, you know, like you said about Suarez, you know, Suarez right now in the first three games, the way he's hitting, he couldn't find the baseball in the ocean. And the thing about it is, Blake, if you get off to a slow start, you could really go like a house of fire in the last 50 ball games and still hit under 300. Yeah, that's what's crazy about this season. Uh, I'm more concerned with his quality of at bats. His quality of at bat is not good. He looks lost at the plate. He does. Um, he's swinging at pitches that are four, six, eight inches outside, breaking balls, just doing things that he didn't do last year. Even when he was scuffling a little bit last year, he put together better at bats. He seems like an easy out right now. And in the three-hole, you just can't have that. Um, he has got to figure it out. He's, without a doubt, the Reds' best player. On a bright note, Nick Castellano seemed to figure it out a little bit yesterday. I think he had a pair of hits yesterday. Um, he does have one double and an RBI. So if he figures it out, they get stock is back, and Suarez starts to hit, they'll be okay. It's just a shame, man. You just wasted those three starts for the Reds equal the best first three games for a starting pitching rotation in the history of the Reds. Since 1890, I heard. Um, and you're 1-2 and two against a bad team. That just doesn't work. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, you can't you can't have that happen over the long, the long haul. You have to win the games where Castillo, Bauer, and Gray are all really good. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing, though. Detroit's bullpen really came through in games two and three. Absolutely. That lefty they threw, yeah. I don't remember his name, late in game three, um, was really, really good. And he had been not good in the past, but he he had had trouble with command in, in the last year. Um, and then this year, I mean, he was pounding the zone. I think he got the Reds out in 11 pitches with a pair of strikeouts the first inning he worked. Um, it, you know, the, it, the strikeouts are way up all across baseball, but uh, in the seventh inning yesterday, the White Sox and the Reds had combined for 28 strikeouts, I think. That's nuts. Now, that would have helped a lot with his 13, but it's still just crazy to think about how many strikeouts there are in baseball right now. You know, in my day, you couldn't imagine striking out like that. But when everybody's doing it, I guess it's not a big of a deal. I don't remember the exact number. It's either 22 or 32. But Tony Gwynn, back in the early 80s, struck out either 22 times or 32 times over the entire season. There are guys that strike out 32 times, Blake, in one month. A week sometimes, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. It's goofy the way it has gone so far. You want to talk about goofy, though? Look at the standings, Blake. After three and, in some instances, four games for some of these teams, there's not an unbeaten team in baseball right now. Not one. That's unbelievable. Nobody swept. Um, yeah, that's it's just nuts. Which is, you know, good for the Reds, obviously. Um, still getting off to the rough start. It, it's crazy. You bring up Tony Gwynn. I just looked something up. Tony Tony Gwynn finished his career hitting three oh two with two strikes. In two strike at bats, he hit <laughs> over three hundred. That's unbelievable. And it's not Way like he's the second on the list and for two sixty four. Ugh. Yeah, and, and it's not like Tony Gwynn was a bunker either, or speedy. In 94 alone, Gwynn batted an absurd 397. 
and two strike counts. He hit 400 and two strike counts for a year. That's unbelievable. Um, anyway, on a positive note for the Reds, though, somebody seems to be returning to form, which is really nice to see. Joey Votto Joey home runs in a series to start the year is something we haven't seen in a really, really long time. And yet, <laughs> I go back to Facebook, Blake, and I'm not going to get into anything uh, controversial about what Joey Votto did on Friday night, but he took a he took a beating last night on Facebook for making the final out the double play that ended the game on Sunday. This guy has hit the heck out of the baseball over the first three ball games, and he grounds into a double play, and everybody starts saying, "Let's trade him." People who are Reds fans uh, are, are 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 stupid. Um, just, they just don't get it. Joey Votto is probably the best offensive player to ever wear a red uniform. And we're talking about the same organization that has Johnny Bench and Joe Morgan and Pete Rose and Griffey Jr. play for the Reds and Barry Larkin and George Foster. Ernie Lombardi. Perez, Ernie Lombardi. Frank Ken Robinson. Luzinski, Frank Robinson. These are some of the greatest players to ever play the game. And just as a purely offensive player... And I'm not saying hitter, because I count the walk in being an offensive player. Joey Votto may be the best ever do it in the Reds uniform. And people just don't get it. It's because of the amount of money he makes. People in Cincinnati just can't get over that. And if you don't come through in every clutch situation, you're a bum. And, I mean, Joey Votto could easily be 9 for 13 right now. He hit two absolute laser beams. At the first baseman. Actually, three. Yeah. Two of them ended up being double plays. If, if there's not a guy being held on at first base, they're doubles down the right field line. And this guy, he is literally, like, he he's, he's only walked once. Like, that's the thing that some people in Cincinnati have always killed Joey Votto for. He walks too much and he strikes out too much. Well, he's only walked once, he's only struck out once. And 14 plate appearances. So... Well, I mean, what do you want the guy to do? You want him to swing? He's batting three eighty five with four twenty nine on base percentage and a pair of home runs. I mean, the guy is unconscious at the plate right now for the first three games of the season. It's the best three-game stretch he's had in a really long time, especially early in the year because he's a notoriously slow starter. Um, people need to back the hell off of Joey Votto. I mean, the guy can only do what he can do. It's, it's ridiculous. Well, here's a look at the American League Central standings. We're going to hit the National League Central right after this, and I want to ask you a question about that. But the American League Central, the Indians, Tigers, and Twins are all at 2-1. and one. The Royals and White Sox are at 1-2. and two. Now, in my opinion, out of all of those teams that are 2-1, and one, the Tigers are not going to be in the top three by the end of the year. On the other hand, with the Royals and the White Sox, I don't think the White Sox are going to be at the bottom of that division by the end of the year. Although, I've got to say this now, Blake. In watching the Royals over the weekend and Mike Matheny and the way he handles that ball club and what they have, if they had any amount of hitting at 7, 8, and 9 in their batting order, they would be a tough, tough ball club. And their pitching is coming around. They've got two pitchers, a kid named Singer. And another kid named Turnbull. And I'll tell you what, you get those two guys. Turnbull was throwing fastballs yesterday, Blake, 
upwards of 100 miles an hour, 98, 99, 100 to 101. And he looked effortless in throwing the baseball. And Singer, the same way. He was making his first major league start on Saturday, mainly because the Royals have been decimated in their pitching staff because of COVID. And that's one of the reasons that they're looking at trying to sign Matt Harvey. But nonetheless, I mean... Singer was really outstanding against the Indians, blanking them for the first six innings of that ball game before the Indians finally came back, tied it up, and lost in extra innings. They've got some promising, promising uh, young talent. I I heard the Reds announcers yesterday saying, you know, that the Tigers were in in deep, deep rebuild mode, and how they've got a lot of people feel like the Tigers have one of the best farm systems in baseball. Well, I'll tell you one thing. This Royals team is not very far behind. They've got a lot of good pitchers coming up. Yeah, I didn't pay a ton of attention to, to the Royals-Indian series. I wish I would have paid more. Um, but I can, the, the Tigers aren't as far off as I think people think they are either. Um, they they got some glaring holes in their lineup. Um, but I like that kid playing shortstop. I think he's a decent player. The kid in center field is a is a very very good defensive player. Um, Miguel Cabrera is still you know he's not Miguel Cabrera but he can still hit a little bit. Yep. I like CJ Crone a lot. Yeah. Um, I think that kid's a really good offensive first baseman. I don't know why he doesn't get a little more credit than he gets. Shoot. Probably. Shoot. Yeah. Scope's a good player. Um, they, they've got a decent little team. And so far, I mean, outside of the game one when they threw, uh, I don't even remember who they threw in game one. That's terrible. What is, uh, uh, okay. As far as the pitcher is concerned? Yeah, who did they start game one? I'm, I'm sorry, I can't It was a, it was a rookie. That. Yeah, it was a rookie. And uh, he struggled a little bit, but I mean, Ivan Nova's a legitimate big league pitcher. Derek yeah. Turbo yesterday looked like a, a legit guy. Um, I think the Tigers are going to be a little better than people expected them to be. I don't think they're good, but I think they're a little better than than, than we may have thought. Um, they're definitely not void of major league talent, that's for sure. Well, then you've got the National League Central, and the two teams at the top right now are the Cubs and the Cardinals, each at 2-1. and one. And then you've got the Pirates, Reds, and Brewers at 1-2. and two. Now, I'd be willing to bet, Blake, by the end of the year, the Pirates are not going to be third in the division the way they've got it set up right now, and the Reds are definitely going to be above 500. Uh, I mean, I think if, if you take look on paper, I completely agree with you. I think our, the Reds' pitching staff's way too good to end up, you know, under 500. I don't think I think that that trio is just unbelievable, um, as good as there is in baseball, and. I think you're going to get a good start out of Wade Miley tonight. I think he'll pitch really well against the Cubs. He knows that lineup really well. Um, you know, he's a lefty, and he's, you know, that, that definition of crafty left-hander. <laughs> and it's a lot different than what you typically see out of the Reds, which is nice. you got three legitimate top-end arms, followed by a guy that, you know, gets you out throwing 91-mile-an-hour cutters. Um so I, I highly doubt the Reds are going to be under 500, but you also got to factor in who know who knows how long Lusakis and Senzo are going to be out. Um, so that that might throw some throw a wrench into some stuff. This COVID stuff is is a is a serious question mark. Who knows who's going to get it next? Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I don't think the Pirates are going to end up third in the division, that's for sure. I think it'll still end up being, I think it'll end up being a lot like it is right now. I think it'll be those four teams that are at the top, and then the Pirates are about eight miles behind them. Um, and who knows which of those four teams is going to come out on top. Here, here's a great question for you. The Baltimore Orioles right now are two and one. Do you know who's leading this team? Uh, Iglesias. Yes, Jose Iglesias. He's hitting 538 over the first three games of the year, leading the team in homers and RBIs. And as I said, he's batting third and playing shortstop for this Orioles team. I think Jose Iglesias is another one of those guys, a lot like CJ Crown, just a really good professional baseball player. Um, I don't, I mean, he's spectacular defensively at times. His offense will likely not stay at the level it's been. Um, he's a good hitter. He's, he's a fine major league hitter, but he's not, he's not any special guy at the plate. Um, at least historically, you know, you know, you never know over a 60 game stretch, he could get really hot. I mean, there were 60 games for the Reds last year where he would have been the MVP of the team. Yeah. Um, so who knows for sure, but they won't matter because they're not going to finish above <laughs> 500. Um, He'll be the best player on a really bad baseball team. Yeah, they're they're two and one right now with the Yankees and the Rays all at two and one also, and the Blue Jays and the Red Sox at one and two. Hey, the Blue Jays are finally decided they are going to play in Buffalo if they can get the major league lights set up at the Bison's Field. This ought to be interesting because they're supposed to be playing in Buffalo. This weekend, and they've got to get those lights up and everything. Either that, or you know, here's a brilliant idea, Blake. Why not just play all day games? That's never going to happen, and you know that. <laughs> um, yeah, that, there's no way with with the, especially with no fans in the stands, and it's all TV money. No chance they play on uh, all day games. Yeah, I mean they could do that for a week if they had to, just to get them in, but. It's, it's it's good that they found something to somewhere to play, um, but at this rate, who knows where you're going to get there? <laughs> Boy, it, it, it was interesting what they went through. I mean, they they were talking about going to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh turned them down. They wanted to go to Baltimore. Baltimore turned them down. They finally went back to Buffalo, and Major League Baseball approved that if they could get the lights in on time. And who knows? I mean, they, they, there, there's so many high quality minor league stadiums now that they could they they could have found somewhere to play um but like you said the big thing is getting the field up to major league code um and it's not not there yet so you know there there's been a lot of talk uh, you know about Columbus being a major league city well they could you know the Columbus Clippers uh, at Huntington Park, hey, you know, you could play there. That's a good stadium. I mean, they only house 12,000, but who cares right now? Nobody's going to the ball games anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they got the good, they got the great stadium down in, in Louisville also over in Indianapolis. Well, and Dayton Dragon Stadium is really nice. Yep. Um, there's so many little small stadiums like that with no fans who really cares, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know why they didn't look to go to a spring training park, um, at least for the, the early time being, because those are all set up for major league broadcasts already. I don't know why that was never even a thought to go to one of the Florida parks. Well, the problem is Florida right now is COVID-19 
generous. I mean, you know, if it was one of the countries, if Florida itself was a country right now, Blake, they'd be fourth in the world. And Arizona's another one, too. I mean, they, they actually shut down all the parks there. That's crazy. I didn't yeah. even realize that they had done that. Yeah. I mean, that, I think that's the reason that they haven't looked. But, hey, nonetheless, I mean, you're looking at a couple of couple of situations right now that if, don't look now, Blake, but we may be seeing something that I'm not saying it's going to be the end of baseball this year, but right now, boy, you look at the Baltimore was supposed to be playing at Miami tonight. That game has been postponed because of what's happened to the Marlins. And on top of that, the Yankees were supposed to be in Philadelphia to play the Phillies, and that game has been called off also because of the Marlins situation. They were playing the Phillies, and, hey, they can't can't play them now. They've got to test everybody. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, you can't, they didn't want to, the Yankees didn't want to use the facilities the Marlins just left. Yeah. Um, the, the dugout and the, uh, the clubhouse, which that makes complete sense. Um, the one thing I like is that, uh, um, most people are not calling for the cancellation of the season, which is good. Um, They'll, they'll figure out a way to get this in. I mean, the Marlins are barely, barely a major league team as it is, so losing losing forcing guys doesn't really hurt them. Um, they can figure that out. I mean, I know there was something on Twitter about they're looking for ways to add major league capable talent um, to their roster, which, you know, it isn't really out there, but I don't know that the talent on their roster was major league caliber anyway. Um, so, it, it, you know, it's got to be... I mean, those dudes are shut down for at least two weeks, which is crazy. So I don't, they're not going to cancel all the Marlins games for two weeks. They can't. Um, I don't know how that's going to work, man. It's going to be nuts. Well, I'll tell you what, the one that makes the most sense to me for Miami is Yasiel Puig. I mean, but is he, is he allowed to play yet? He tested positive. Yeah. I, who knows? I mean, that, you got to go through that with everybody. I, you know, I saw Rod and Garden hire yesterday and I, find, I thought he was acting kind of fidgety at home plate with the exchange of the lineup cards, and then it came out today that he didn't want to get anywhere near David Bell because of the, the, the COVID situation that the Reds are involved in. He didn't know about Moustakas and Davidson. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I saw that as well. I didn't see Gardner look weird at the, uh, at the home plate, but I saw his comments after the game. He was nervous, and then... Um, uh, what the heck? I just can't believe I'm drawing blanks on names so bad today. It never happens to me. <laughs> Anthony Rizzo made, had a comment about it as well, about how he was nervous about coming to Cincinnati um, because of it. And, I mean, it is what it is. It's the world we live in right now, and you either suck it up and play through it or you don't. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. And and that's what they're going to have to do. Now, tonight, of course, the the Indians are entertaining the White Sox. The Reds are entertaining the Cubs. Kind of kind of funny that both Chicago teams are in Ohio on the same night, you know, and take a look at, at all that. But what do the Reds have going this weekend after they get rid of the Cubs out of town? I know they're going out of town. I think they're heading to Detroit, aren't they? Uh, they go to Detroit next weekend, I believe. Um I'm bringing the schedule up right now. So oh, it's a four-game set with the Cubs, and then they go to Detroit on Friday. Okay. So, 
Yeah. Yeah, they go to Detroit, and then after that, it is, uh, I, this is fucking Um, then it's <laughs> the Indians, actually. Then the, So then it's the four games that with the Indians. Home and away. Home and away, yeah. The Indians this week, they've got uh, the White Sox for a three-game set. That's at home, and then they're heading up north and take on the Minnesota Twins. So right away, the Twins and the Indians are going to get it on, and then the Reds, uh, they'll be battling the Reds. And by the way, Blake, contrary to popular belief, Jack Clark is still alive. Yeah, Tom struggles sometimes with <laughs> stuff like that, man. Um <laughs> I'm not, I'm not the biggest Tom Brenneman fan, as you know. Um, I think the Reds could do a lot better for a play-by-play guy on the audio broadcast. If his last name wasn't Brenneman, he probably wouldn't be doing the games. Um, <laughs> I had to bring that up. That, that was that was so funny. I sat there listening to that, and I'm like, wait a second. I think Jack Clark is still alive. I think everyone else did that, too. That's why he apologized relatively quickly. Yeah, yeah, it, it came... Came out on Twitter very, very, very quickly. Well, uh, what do you think the Reds have to do in order to get back into their winning ways now, Blake, as we wrap up tonight's show? Um, they got to hit. They just, they've got to figure out a way to string hits together. It can't be, the offense can't be predicated solely on home runs, um, which it has been so far. Um, they've got to find a way to, to, to just put the bat on the baseball more. Got to get Eugenio Suarez going. Got to get Mike Moustakis back. Um, I wish David Bell would just play Shogo Akiyama against some lefties and see what he has against lefties. Because I understand the platoon situation, but right now you don't have Senzo on center field. Um, Philip Irvin's playing center field tonight. Philip Irvin hasn't hit water, didn't hit water, fell out of a boat right now. Um, are you sold? Are you sold on Winker? Uh, so as a hitter, I always have been. Yeah, I always thought Jesse Winker could really hit. Um, but it's not, I don't feel comfortable with him right now. And I know he's not in the lineup tonight. Um, Aquino is, I believe. But, yeah, I mean, against right-handed pitchers, I think he should play. Um, that being said, he's struggled mightily to get off the season off, so... Uh, I, I, yeah, uh, it's a, he's a hard one to answer for me because I think the kid can hit. I just think he might be a mental midget. I think he just struggled mentally with the with baseball. Um, I don't I don't know what other way to describe it. How about the catch that Shogo made yesterday, though? Shogo's good, man. He can really go get in the outfield. He can run. He plays smart. I really like the way he plays. Um, he he walks and then he steals second right away and. The first pitch, he's gone. He, he just really, he, he's a smart, cerebral baseball player. Um, and I really like his game. I think he should almost play every day. You know, I don't think Shogo Akiyama's a platoon guy. It's amazing how the Japanese players and the Korean players are all the same. If they bat left-handed, that front foot, doesn't matter which side of the plate, but that front foot always bails out, but their hips and their shoulders stay pointed directly at the ball, and they stay on the ball, and they can go the opposite direction. Yeah, it's weird because you see a lot of people playing um, Shogo to pull early in, in at-bats, and that's not that's not smart because he's it's like that Ichiro swing. Um, yep. Yeah, it's like, I love it. 
It's like they're bailing out at the plate. It's like they're bailing out at the plate. Yeah, I mean, and it, it, you know, if you hit a ball in the six hole, it makes it really hard to make the play. Yeah. Because um, they can all run a little bit. I just like that they all play fundamental, smart baseball. Yeah, they do. And that and that's what gets me about, you know, a lot of people have said, Blake, that this season is shaped up extremely well for the Indians because of the way Terry Francona manages a baseball team. And I'm not so sure if that's the case, but I do know one thing. Uh, there's nobody right now that I'd rather go into a baseball season with than Terry Francona as my manager. I can say that. Without a doubt, he's one of the best to ever do it. I mean, he's really, really good baseball manager. Um, I like everything he does. Cause he, he still manages, even with the DH, he, he manages a almost a National League style of game. Um, he's always thinking three steps ahead. He's always ready for his next move well before it happens. I think after game one, which I thought David Bell managed really well, he's done a lot of reactionary management, which drives me nuts. Um, like, it was, I think it was game two where he took, when he took Shogo out to go to Philip Irvin, um, Ron Gardenhire counters with bringing in a right-handed arm. And I'm like, I just don't understand why you dictate that and put a player who you're not as comfortable with in the game. Let him throw to Shogo and then see what happens after that. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. Shogo hasn't hit against a lefty yet in the bigs. He might have hit a home run. You have no clue. Yeah. Um, it'd be different if it was Winker and he has a proven track record of not being able to hit against left-handed pitching, and that's fine. You don't know what Shogo can or can't do yet against left-handed pitching because we haven't seen it. And, and there's not a lot of film on anybody right now because spring training games were so far away three or four months ago. There's not a lot of film on rookies or, or new players like Shogo. Absolutely. So I think he's almost over-managing at times. I think, like I said, I think he did a great job on Monday um, or on Friday other than piss, pissing off Nick Castellanos by taking him out. Um, <laughs> which, from from my perspective, I love that out of Nick Castellanos, because I'm the same way. I don't want to come out of the friggin' game. Yeah. No, what are you doing? But, I mean, Travis Jankowski went in, stole a base, he went to center field. Like, I get it. But, from Castellanos' perspective, I'd have been pissed too. You just signed me, gave me all this money. I want to play. Hey, by, um, the, by the way, speaking of a lot of money, was the baseball world rocked yesterday when it was announced that Justin Verlander was going to miss the rest of the season? I mean, you talk about a season-ending injury, which isn't the case yet. He's coming out saying, no, 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 that's not the case. But you take Verlander off that Houston pitching staff, uh, they're screwed. They're just okay. Yeah. He's still pretty good. But outside of that, they're just, nah. I mean, yeah, that's a that's a big miss for them. They've got the offense to, to overcome it for a while and maybe be good enough to get into the playoffs, but they don't have the pitching to win a World Series no. without Justin Verlander. Boy, it's fun talking baseball again, isn't it? Absolutely, man. <laughs> Everything else is going to pot, but baseball is back. Blake, we'll talk to you again next Monday night. All right, Dave. That's going to do it for us on this Monday evening. Thanks for joining us again. The 
Indians are hosting the Cubs and the Reds are, or excuse me, the Reds are hosting the Cubs and the Indians are hosting the Chicago White Sox. And we'll be back again next Monday night to talk to you more about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. For Blake Watson, I'm Dave Mitchell. Thanks for joining us tonight. Until next Monday night at 7 o'clock. Have a good week, everybody.